in his philosophies, but he is an expert of the secret societies. So we're going to be talking quite a bit, for a bit tonight, about secret societies. How secret are they? That they're secret, and how do we know about them? So we're going to uh, welcome him as soon as we know that he's on the line and say hello to him. He's on the air. He is. He's on the air. All right. Alan Watts. Hello, Alan. How are you? Okay. Very good. It's been a while since I had you on, and welcome back in this new year. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be back on. Thank you very much, uh, Alan. Why don't you just uh, give our listeners, for those newers and newbies, as they say, a little bit of a thumbnail sketch about uh, your area of expertise and uh, why you have been attracted to this field. Okay, I think really my area is partially history and ancient history um, and the societies which ruled in ancient times because there's nothing new in the system really except technology um, and, and how secret societies have always dominated countries and how it came into being with commerce and trade and, and money all, all together really and how it's never really let go, and how the same families intermarry down through thousands of years. Uh-huh. They keep control of power because they marry each other who hold the money in all its forms, uh, and land as well, and um, they've never let go. Plus, they employ all the think tanks that are constantly looking to the future to maintain control over society, and they plan the future. They plan where we're going. Uh, people don't realize that as you live your life, um, things aren't just happening by happenstance. Everything that happens on a major scale in the world is, is planned in advance by think tanks and strategists. Um, and it's the old saying, if you don't plan your life, then somebody else is going to do it for you. Uh-huh. And they That's certainly true. do, yeah. Yeah, they're willing to step forward, aren't they? Huh? Uh, they are willing to, yeah. yeah. Uh, I know that you, uh, on a social level, have been more probably libertarian than anything else, uh, spectrum. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't go into any category. I don't let myself be pigeonholed because I find the pigeonholes are ready-made like prefabricated houses mm-hmm. by the elite themselves. They expect us to go into one of the, uh, after debate, uh-huh. something that fascinates us and, and go into a pigeonhole because we're very safe there once we're in. And they have leaders for all the, the groups of pigeonholes. And they, that's how they control society. Um, they use Kabbalah, for instance. Yes. Um, every country has a form of the same thing uh-huh. to do with it. Right. We'll yeah. talk about that when we come back. Stay uh, where you are, Alan Watson. Uh, we'll invite people to join us tonight at 1-800-313-9443. Have a question for Alan Watts on anything that we'll be discussing. I'm Rick Adams, Radio Avenger. The Paul Revere of Talk Radio, sounding the alarm. We shall return. The New World Order Thought Police are on the run because Rick Adams is back on the Republic Broadcasting Network. And we are on with Alan Watts and... uh, Alan, you were just uh, making a statement. We had to cut you off there in the middle about your foundation of uh, your thought. But please continue to uh, tell us exactly where you're coming from. Yeah, well, the Kabbalah is taken from much, much older uh, religion, you might say. Um, And it's to do with observation of nature. 
mm-hmm. uh, under all the esoteric talk, etc., for those who are higher up, they understand it's to do with human nature and the control of it. And if you can control, we know that for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. If I push someone, they push back. And that's how society ends up being controlled. They're, they're split into camps. I like this, I don't like that, therefore we're opposed. Well, if you can control them, like nature, like, like, like summer versus winter, uh, that's what they mean by that. Then you, you uh, supply the leaders for them, um, implement the right strategy, and you'll have your two opposing factions, which you guide to your conclusion. Uh, this is how it's always worked. So it really is a matter of cutting through the matrix. It is. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, and it is a, a dialectic uh, a model. Yeah. And, uh, you know, as you point out, you know, uh, throughout our years in, in American history here, since I've been around, I can see more clearly now than ever before in my life as to just how controlled we are. And yeah. we are not even, we are not as a people even slightly aware of it. I, I, often, I like to use the example of how you can, you know, gauge uh, people and you can make them do what you want them to do just by, just by doing some simple basic things. You know, if you walk down the street, for instance, and you stare up into the sky yeah. for the longest time, Pretty soon you'll have everybody staring up in the sky. Yeah. And, right. and people will be wondering, what is he staring at? You'll have a curiosity factor. You'll have mm-hmm. people doing as you're doing, thinking there's something to it. When all the while, you're, you know, you're just doing it to see the reaction. Yes. It, that's what they do, these, these powerfully lead, isn't it? Always, always. I, I was interesting during the Y2K debacle that was promoted by the media, solely by the media, yeah. that they did interviews all over the world to the, to the man in the streets. And they asked him, uh, and it was interesting, the, the way they asked him this question, they said, do you believe in Y2K? That's what they said in every country. Mm-hmm. Do you believe in Y2K? And I knew immediately it was a con. And uh, I'm sure they were t- doing studies on uh, the human nature during that whole uh, fake crisis. Right. To see if they'd panic or not, you know. Now, you personally, you came from England, didn't you? From Scotland, yeah. Scotland, rather. I'm sorry. And you, uh, uh, as far as your background and the, uh, you've been around for some time, I guess. I'm not <laughs> trying mm-hmm. to betray your age, but mm-hmm. you were active in the uh, 1930s. I guess you were a military <laughs> age. That's that, that, that's a different one. That's a different. Oh, that's your father. Uh, it's a distant relative. Yeah. Oh, okay. But yeah. you you uh, yourself followed in, in the in the same mold. I would I would imagine when you have uh, you know noticed the control of war, for instance. A good example is mm-hmm. World War Two. No, well, it's just even it's not just the control of it; it's the prediction of it by yes. those who yes. work for the governments. H.G. Right. Uh, Wells wrote about the coming wars with Germany uh, before did, yeah. before even World War One. Yes. And interestingly, H.G. Wells also talked about the Third World War to be kicked off in the Middle East at a place called Basra. Now, Basra is a place in Iraq that the British troops went into this last time. Yes. Uh, so these guys are in the know. Yeah. Yes, and um, I started off the introduction by, by asking a simple question, mm-hmm. and that is, I'm sure you get asked this question all the time, mm-hmm. and that is that uh, if these secret societies are secret, how mm-hmm. do we know? How is it that we know so much about them? They, they, they always, like Albert Pike, who, who really wrote the Bible on Freemasonry yeah. in the 1800s, he said that the, the lower Masons are the outer portico. 
they must bring members in, and those members who get a lot of site benefits, including reduced taxes and so on for property assessments, I've seen it happen to people, yeah. Um, they take a lot of freebies. Well, they maintain the system for them, for the bigger boys above them. Uh, so they're, they're very useful at the bottom for maintaining the system and swearing loyalty to the system. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, the, there's the ones much higher. There's the noble orders. And we see the Kissingers. Uh, Giuliano went over there after 9-11 and got knighted as well, and Kissinger. Giuliano, yeah. Uh, so why are, are all the American top guys going over to get knighted by the Queen of England? It's, it's more than just a, a title they're getting. They're, they're getting initiated into a higher level of the noble Freemasonry. You have um, you've mentioned uh, various assassinations. You've talked about them. I'm sure you have um, been asked about them. Um, what was what was your take on the JFK assassination? Well, there, there is no doubt, just from an occultic standpoint, uh, the trouble they went to to make it all match up to the, the killing of the king, as they call it. Uh, with the the head being exp- the brain being exposed to the sun driving into the sun, yeah. uh, and the, the Dili Plaza, which was a a, a triangle, well, it was really a three pronged triangle like the um, a trident um, of the old sea god, uh, and behind that was a, a building shaped like a pyramid, mm-hmm. and behind that was the courthouse with the dragon on top, uh, highly occultic. Uh, they always have the, the, the three Jewes, they call them, like the Jack the Ripper had the, the, the Jewes. Uh, that's Jubilo, Jubilum, and so on, of Freemasonry. That's not Jews. Mm-hmm. It's the unworthy craftsmen. So you had, you had the transients coming off the train um, who just happened to be there, always mentioned, never did anything, but they were the three unworthy cra- uh, craftsmen. And then the same thing with 9-11. You had three on top of a, a, a tower taking um, photographs of the 9-11 planes. They mentioned them, and they said Jews, but they actually meant Jews, the three unworthy craftsmen. That's the M.O. of, of a deliberate setup. Uh-huh. And you find that with Jack the Ripper, too, where it was written on the wall, and it's now been admitted by Scotland Yard that it was carried out by high Freemasons, uh, that the murders. We, uh, you know, you, you know, the JFK is a whole program in itself because, uh, you know, you mentioned the captains and you mentioned the kings and, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, Taylor Caldwell wrote the, the basis for that, uh, miniseries, The Captains and the Kings, uh-huh. about the Kennedys. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that was in itself quite a fascinating journey to look at their uh, tree there. Oh, uh, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, I tell people, too, who are Catholics, um, uh, don't think. I mean, you see, people follow uh, someone that they think belongs to them at the top of the tribe. And we're always given our leaders. However, Kennedy himself, JFK, I think had some humanitarian uh, streaks in him somewhere because he did make speeches on exposing the secret societies that was running the government. And I think that's really that put the, the, his, that sealed his fate for him, because he did give an interview on that subject. But Kennedy himself was never let in. I think they were in on it. They were raised, when you're raised in those families, you're you're expected to be a shepherd to the people who relate to you, as as a, a um, Protestant, Catholic, or whatever. Yes. It's the same with the Rothschilds. They lead a lot of Jews, and yet the Rothschilds probably are more Egyptian than Jews, and probably not Jewish at all, if you go into their history. 
Um, yeah. It all depends, I guess, on how you define Jews. That's a controversy yeah. in itself. Yeah, but, uh, but the thing is, is always to get uh, herds created, human herds, yeah. and then supply them with, with the, the leaders. Yeah. And since in this system we do not respect poverty, but we adore and almost worship success, uh, financial success, well, it's easy for them to give us the leaders. And they can lead us in circles forever and have us fighting each other forever, too. Well, now, that's, that's a very interesting point because, um, you know, you, you mentioned uh, Albert Pike. Mm-hmm. And I do remember having read uh, Mr. Osborne's book, Richard T. Osborne, mm-hmm. The Coming of World War III, yeah. which I'm sure you have uh, mm-hmm. you know, seen many years ago. Yep. It was in the 1970s. Mm-hmm. And there were some things in there, of course, uh, which were uh, well, which didn't happen as, as he had predicted they would. But in any event, uh, it was interesting to follow the uh, mm-hmm. people like Al, uh, like uh, Pike. Oh, absolutely, these guys understood human nature perfectly, and and how to get uh, oppositions occurring. Uh, how to create oppositions, how to get the dialectical process in, in motion, because one power on its own trying to force something through will be seen by everybody as totalitarian. So what you must do is get an opposing force and supply the leaders. It's much easier to get 10,000 people, to convince 10,000 people to join a group, put in your own man at the top, than it is to directly relate to every single person of those 10,000. Is there, though, in your view, a one big interconnected conspiracy? Yes, there is. Uh, yeah, uh, no country uh, can stay out of this agenda. If they try and stay out, they get bombed into it. Mm-hmm. And we saw that with Yugoslavia, and uh, now we're seeing it with the Middle East. The last countries to be brought in. Exactly. Yeah, on that I agree. Uh, Iran and Iraq was a classic example. And they refer to the uh, Babylon, the new Babylon in Iraq, mm-hmm. <coughs> which I'm sure you've heard about. Yep. You've heard about the building of this new Babylon, the Babylonian city. Yes. Uh, by the United States military. It's mm-hmm. top secret, but it has been exposed and it has been revealed. And uh, Mr. Bush says that we're going to have to send more troops now into this cauldron mm-hmm. rather than reversing them. So obviously mm-hmm. here there is no logic from a an Americanist point of view as to what's happening, but there is a logic from a conspiratorial yeah. point of view. Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, when H.G. I mean, it's admitted now that H.G. Wells did work for the British government, the Secret Service. Yeah. Um, and they, they still do this today with movie makers and so on. But in those days, it was all authors they would hire, train, and they'd say, we want you to write a story around these particular thoughts and make right. it exciting. Well, H.G. Wells did talk about going into Iraq in the Third World War, and the air police that would, was to dominate the planet uh-huh. by basically g- gassing the public yes. <laughs> um, would be based in Iraq. That would be the permanent base. Yeah. Indeed. Stay where you are. We've got uh, people lined up already to talk, George and Henry and others. 1-800-313-9443. Alan Watts, our guest, and we're talking about the Matrix, secret societies. Rick Adams, we'll be right back with more H.G. Wells.
some awful quirk of fate. The Morlocks had become the masters and the Eloy their servants. The Morlocks maintained them and bred them like... like cattle. All right, all right. I couldn't resist. I couldn't resist that. Uh, That's good. That's good. H.G. Wells and the Time Machine. And, you know, I have to say that is my all-time favorite film. Because I would like to get into that time machine and get the heck out of here. <laughs> I know, I know, yeah. And, you know, David Duncan wrote the screenplay, but they made it more of a science fiction film. But, you know, the, the real meaning there was the class society that he was writing about, you know, that yes. Wells was writing about, the upper class, the lower class, mm -hmm. and so forth. And, uh, you know, uh, the whole idea of getting uh, to travel in, in time is a wonderful concept. Mm -hmm. Uh, winding up in the year 800 and 2701. But, yeah. uh, you know, uh, that is uh, that is the kind of level that you can look at things on. There are two or more levels, maybe many levels mm -hmm. in the Matrix that you can look at something at. And uh, I try to look at it from as many points of view as I can, uh, knowing full well there are more meanings to something than the meaning that's being perhaps uh, projected, right? Always, always. Yeah. Uh, sometimes in the speeches it's given out by presidents and prime ministers, yeah. they do give a lot out. Uh, if you understand some of the phrases they use, uh, they won't explain and go the whole way with the explanation, but they'll give out phrases in, in the Masonic terms all the time. And it's for those in the know. You, uh, let me ask you before we take calls, 800-313-9443, about uh, Gerald Ford, who's uh, just uh, been... Uh, uh, buried now. Um, you you know about his connections, obviously, mm -hmm. uh, his service in the uh, New World Order. Was he just a useful tool, or was he more than that, in your opinion? I think they're all more than that. These guys always have their their, their backup men too, in case they change plans, to, so that backup men to step in, and they must be completely reliable. Um, especially if there's nefarious goings on, they have to be completely reliable. And uh, Ford certainly was. Um, in what way do you think he was reliable? What stands out in your view about his administration and things that were done? It, it wasn't just the things that were done. It was the fact that, uh, considering how he stepped into office, that he was never elected right. into any position. Mm -hmm. And you'll find that with some of the bigger players. They're never, ever elected into their positions. Uh, those are the men that are, that are really more important than the ones who are. Ah, uh, Legally, in a sense, you see that they're not responsible to the public. Uh, there's, there's a legality here involved, which they hold by. And um, Ford hushed up so much about the one of the biggest um, killings, in the, or at least the, the most widely seen killing on the planet. It was viewed everywhere, uh, this Masonic uh, killing of the king. Um, and he certainly covered all of that up so well. That was, that was what, I mean, if he was a true, a true president, an ordinary fellow that sort of ended up being there, the investigation would never have stopped, you know. Look at, look at the, the circumstances that brought him in. Richard mm -hmm. Nixon, 
himself was exited from office, not because of the Mm -hmm. so-called Watergate scandal, really. That was a setup for him. Mm -hmm. But the reality is that Richard Nixon had uh, been part of the double cross, I believe. Yeah, and he was pardoned. Yeah, he got got unpardoned. Right. Um, That's almost a royal ability to pardon somebody. Yes. When supposedly the crime was against the citizenry of the U.S. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's Excellent. okay. Yeah. Let's take some calls, and we'll uh, hang you over, ladies and gentlemen, or hold you over to the for the uh, next half hour if we have to because of the break. And George from Illinois is our first caller. Hello, George. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, th- thank you, Rick. Thank you, yes. Alan. Alan, I uh, I really uh, I appreciate all your work on uh, just digging out the archaeology of sociology, religion, mm-hmm. economics, and just pulling it all together so we can understand. I mean. Um, what I'm uh, wondering about, can you tell me a little bit about h- h- the roots of uh, Kabbalah and its kind of magic uh, faith mm-hmm. and the connection it has to Freemasonry? Because I think that's, they're intertwined, but they, ha- mm-hmm. they kind of, do they evolve over time? Yeah, yeah. kind of connection? There, there's always a connection, and the Kabbalah was composed in different sections really from the 1500s onwards, but it, it drew on much older um, and a much, much older religion that ran the ancient Middle East. Uh, so they drew, they updated it basically and called it Kabbalah. Um, and, and the Kabbalah, uh, underneath all of the the, the flowery language and, and, the, and the way it grabs your imagination and carries you off, is a very practical guide on human nature and how to control people if you really understand it, both male and female and different age groups. And so it's it's all to do with control, but it's also to pre-program people towards a future event, which will be the microchipping of the human brain when we're all one. One of the things I've noticed between those two, Kabbalah and Freemasonry, is kind of they're both washed in blood. Uh, One of them Mm -hmm. seems like a... It's like a military hierarchy. It's a promise to serve. To obey. Okay, hold yes. that thought. Stay where you are, George and Alan. We'll be right back with you and our other callers. After the following break, in three minutes, we'll return. I'm Rick Adams, Radio Avenger, on Uncensored Radio Free America, right here on the Republic Broadcasting Network. Your friends, Rick Adams is on, on rbnlive.com. Okay, we are back now, and George uh, in Illinois is with us, uh, raising the question, George, about uh, the relationship between the uh, Kabbalah and uh, the uh, various uh, secret societies that we're talking about. Continue, please. Yeah, the, um, the, the Kabbalah really came into being in a much more major way with the, the advent of Rosicrucianism in the 1500s. Yes. And Queen Elizabeth I's court was the first openly pre-Masonic uh, court in the world, very open. Uh, Walter Raleigh, Francis Drake, all those around her, uh, John Dee, Bacon, all these people were members of the same lodge, and uh, they used Kabbalah. And they wrote about how it was introduced to them. Uh, John Dee wrote extensively on it, in fact. 
um, under the guise of calling down spirits and different things. He gives coding. It's all coding. That's what it's all about. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, yeah, codes. Yeah, mathematical and uh, cryptology to do with the language itself. So uh, for the exoteric people, they get carried off with imaginative qualities of the Kabbalah. It's very flowery language, which is typical of uh, the old um, Middle East, you might say. Uh, They used to write stories in very flowery language to grab the imagination for the youth and carry them off into wild imaginings. But underneath it all is a very practical uh, science of control. And of course, if you give your mind over to be controlled, even through reading, uh, you're still being controlled by someone else. George? Yeah, it makes sense. I think it's, Alan, you're right on. They they still use it today with uh, even the corporate logos, the colors. Mm -hmm. Uh, To me, it's a form of psychological terror. I think uh, Mm -hmm. to bring it to today, would you say that uh, Israel is closest to uh, a system of control like the Holy Roman Empire was? In terms of our our time, do you see that as a kind of a uh, bringing the Kabbalah and, and Freemasonry forward, and, and how that applies to today's uh, lives? What I see really is that those in charge of every country today, including Israel, are all high Freemasons. That's the one thing they all have in common. Mm-hmm. very high noble orders and they do intermarry and always have regardless of what they claim is their creed or their faith they've been intermarrying for centuries and centuries and those the high levels uh, they don't have a, uh, the same religion at all yeah. it's not a matter of religion either and it comes down to uh, you know other factors that are involved but mm-hmm. you see the uh, the history the really since Cain, if you will, mm-hmm. this lineage and this tribal warfare going on, there's a lot of infiltration that has to be taking place as mm-hmm. well. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, through uh, commerce you too. Infiltrate yeah. your enemy, don't you, to subdue it? <clears throat> yeah, yeah. You, uh, you infiltrate and you also bring commerce in, and then you yes. monopolize all commerce, and then you introduce the money, and then you force through the hiring of armies that, that use money. You can't keep an army together without money. Yeah, um, yeah. Then you use that army from a conquered country to conquer the next country and make them make the same system reappear there. So this is an ongoing process down through millennia to standardize everything, and that's the key: is standardization. Universalization, yes. Yeah. George, thank you for your call, sir. Thank Appreciate you. it very much. Um, you know, I have a friend who, uh, his friend, years ago, he knew this this man in a long time, but it was in the 1970s, this fellow, who was Catholic, I believe, um, went down to the South, and at the time, as you know, there was still quite a bit of overt uh, bigotry <clears throat> against Catholics and so forth, and uh, he got into some uh, altercation with the Ku Klux Klan. Mm-hmm. And you know what he did? He showed his Masonic badge... Mm-hmm. And all of his problems ended. Yes. Doesn't that tell you something? Well, you know, Leon Trotsky, in his own book called My Life, mm-hmm. uh, talks about being escorted out of uh, Russia by the, the the NKVD at the time they called it the Czech or it was the police. And he said they went through all the border passings by giving Masonic signs. That's how they got Absolutely. through all three different countries. Yeah. No questions asked. I mean, and they set up these organizations uh, to counter the other movements that they create as well. That's so, right. It's a typical dialectic, isn't it? The guys at the top are all in on the same game. Yeah. They control both sides. Yeah. 
Yeah. All right, let's take a call from Henry in Connecticut. Hello, Henry. Yeah. <clears throat> Hi. Yeah, Alan, I'm a former listener of even um, Jackie Petru when she was on, and you and her on. Um, you have a great show. Um, here's my question. Um, you know a lot about this. And turn the radio on. You know a lot about this, and here's the thing that questions me. Um, at least it appears to me this way. It seems to me, especially in this country, but even all around the, a lot around the world, but even in Europe, but mainly here, um, most of the people that are interested, I even listen to Jones when he talks about Bohemian Grove, and even before him, Cooper, it seems to be mostly of a particular age group. I'm not saying everyone, but the ones well over 50, or I should say well over 55, or maybe 60 and over, that seem to be mainly interested in this, um, you know, um, universal mankind and, um, you know, world uh, stuff and whether, you know, like even American citizens, whether they be better behaved or higher, held to higher moral or religious standards and or they want them to, uh, you know, be embrace all cultures and that whole movement of, you know, now correct me if I'm wrong because you know a lot about this. Are there many, many people, let's say, as compared to older people, let's say 40 and under that are really involved with all this Rockefeller Masonic movement? Because I saw in the newspaper, and even though I know the newspapers are controlled, but there's some of them that are not, that little things slide through. It's like I said, not when the lies, but when they tell you the truth is what you should listen to, even if it's subtle. Mm-hmm. Um, they're having a hard time trying to get people to join where I was told by somebody older, very old, told me that it originally wasn't always that way. You didn't have to be related to Colin Powell or Bill Clinton. They would get a lot of people, like the people in the Shriners, for instance, mm-hmm. if you look at them, them wearing the fuzz caps, mm-hmm. and the ones who like all this growth, spiritual and religious growth for humanity crap. I mean, they say it in the books. I heard Cooper read a book talk about the purpose of all this control and this and that is for this evolution of mankind. It's always mm-hmm. either religious or principle or mm-hmm. spiritually based. And is it more that it is more, you know, is it that there is a problem or is it there is a, a reduction of interest from people, let's say, under 40 or 40 and under or under 45, mm-hmm. a lot of this? Uh, no. an interest in being recruited and involved? Is that what you're saying? Uh, recruited and involved, and what I mean, uh, yeah, recruited and involved, or even belonging to, or even really caring about it. Like, yeah. for instance, uh, an old man told me that when it came to this global stuff, and I used to trick Masons on the phone, I mean, top Masons, I would trick them uh, uh, and give a certain sign that I learned from Cooper, and then they'd spill the beans because they thought I was one. And it seems to be of a certain generation much older that really is into that, where I was told by this other person older on the street, uh, it didn't, wasn't always that way. That Back in it, to make it quick so I don't sound like I'm going all over the place, I'm trying to make this concise. Yes, um, Like uh, in the 20s and the 30s, um, they would get people mostly off, off the street and maybe move them through the ranks to find out whether you could trust them or not, whether they spit on the cross and kiss Lucifer's ass or blah, 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 or whatever. You know, go through all that. Even in CFR right now, you know, you can't be a permanent member of the CFR. I even called them and found out until you're 35. Mm-hmm. You're not even eligible. So what, what, what is the question, Henry, right. you're trying so to So what ask. I'm saying, 
is it that there's mostly uh, older people interested in all this stuff with, you know, humanity, and or is it more likely to be suckered into that? And is there a, a decline of people younger interested in this stuff that really care about it? And I'm not talking people just on the take. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, let, let him right, respond. Okay. Then. Go ahead. Yeah, well, no. What it is, what it is, is this. See, they always look to the future, the the planners at the top, right. and masonry was a great tool. Um, it was only in, in the early 1900s they started to let the ordinary working guy in even. Before that, they made, it, they made a section for the middle classes to manage the rest of the workers in the 1800s. Right. Um, <coughs> even a master? Even a master? Because that's nothing. Either. It's nothing at all, no. See, they're much higher levels. Uh, oh, no, uh, I know that. Uh, I'm saying even mm-hmm. a master mason, they weren't allowed in? You, can't even, you weren't even allowed to be even into that level? Yeah, that's right. If you're, if you're a working class man with no property... Uh, that that didn't be a blue mason. All right. Yeah, and um, it wasn't until the, the late 1800s, early 1900s, you would get in uh, as a working man. And I know this because I had a grandfather who was uh, the master of a lodge, and he went through the ritual of denouncing masonry in front of the boys. You know. Right. And it's right from the town when you take your left shoe off and throw it down in front of them. That's your divorce. Uh, it's a ritual you go through. Mm-hmm. So, right. <coughs> but, but I find that most people my age and even younger, they're really not mm-hmm. interested in a lot of that. They don't have to be. Be- mm-hmm. is, there, is, there, is there a rise of a lot of people? Well, what you've seen is that they've given the new type, which is the new age. The new age is a, a, a new form of Freemasonry for another age. The whole New Age movement, the Wiccan movement, all of the different transcendental meditation stuff, uh, that's all part of the new updated form for the future. Right, okay, except for just one thing, though. I I read some books, old grimoires, and there is an older form of Wicca, although there's a new form of Wicca that was kind of like a hoax. Mm-hmm. Uh, by that guy Gardner. Oh yeah, uh, not, yeah. not Richard Gardner, but another. Yeah, one. the older. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, right. But here's the thing: I have found even with that, and even ones in their teens, um, where ones like Bob Dole and Clinton, they're really more like the force, the masses to embrace all of humanity mm-hmm. and, and all these different races, and, and become multicultural, and it's important they behave and whatever. Mm-hmm. What I found with these ones that you're talking about with these younger, like pagan type things. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very more or less self-centered. Also, it's not, they don't seem to want to belong to any particular, like... Well, but there's one mantra that goes through every single one of them, and they have a thousand uh, names, at least, of these groups. And that's okay. we're all one, we will all become one, and that's the goal of it. Exactly. It's, it's now, for, that's thing, I didn't yeah. hear that with some of them. That's, yeah. And it also seems to be very cultural-oriented, like uh-huh. with these globalists, it's embracing all cultures where... Yeah. I find the ones that are my age, even younger, down to the 20s or 18s, they're more into uh, strictly like the European, if they're European or white, they're strictly into like the older uh, European-type yeah. paganism only. Mm-hmm. Not so much just stuff about embracing humanity or care about, you know, Africa or China or this and that, where the ones that are older with Clinton and them are really involved with it, Rockefeller, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's really more... Uh, you know, maybe I'm wrong. I mean, correct me. You know. no, yeah, you are in a sense, because everyone across the planet, uh, under, as I say, a thousand different names of meditation, even higher yoga, mm-hmm. it's all to do with the oneness of everyone on the planet. And uh, I know people in Wicca, and the higher levels of Wicca too, and they have the same degrees as Freemasonry, by the way. Um, oh, oh, right, three, three degrees. Yeah, three, right, yeah. why, why is it, though, uh, this? Why is it that... With the Wicca, 
Are you talking like a specific branch of Wicca that they're trying to infiltrate and spread out to all the other? Because a lot of them just pick up their own books and sort of... Uh, yeah, the thing is, you, you, don't, you don't really get it. Those right. books all appeared on the shelves at once from a thousand sources, and the, and the Wiccans themselves just, just buy them up. I've asked lots of them, where do you get your information, your, your rites and rituals? Oh, oh, from the bookstore. It doesn't dawn on them that they're all authorized. All those books are authorized to be there, heavily financed and going very cheaply. Because that's right, the agenda. Would be afraid if these people learn real magic because they could fight these Luciferian people? Because no. if they, I, I do know a guy who is an occultist whose name is Val Tyre, mm -hmm. and he had people come after him uh -huh. because he was giving the real magic. I mean, he had stuff like grimoire stuff, a lot of stuff that could take on anybody from Bush or Clinton, anybody in those top Masonic things, uh -huh. people even in Bohemian Grove, mm -hmm. real stuff that gives you the real power that uh, people were killed for. Uh, not letting, um, you know, for letting people know about. Uh -huh. All right, people. well, we'll, we'll let okay. him answer that, and we'll move on. All right, I'll, I'll move on. Yeah, I'll and I appreciate your okay, good questions. You. Yeah. Did you want to comment on that, Alan, on the, what he's just talking about? Yeah, I, I don't think they're afraid of anybody, to be honest, at the higher levels. Uh -huh. Well, I think, um, yeah, this, we could go into a lot of philosophical issues here and, and mm -hmm. scriptural and so forth, but you uh, hit the key when you said that they want all things as one. Yeah. That indeed is the goal, a one-world system. Mm -hmm. uh, they want a classless, uh, universalist society, nameless, faceless, you know, mm -hmm. uh, where there is no competition. And no individuality. Freedom. Right. Yeah. No, it's egalitarianism. Mm -hmm. yeah. Absolutely. Let's take a gym in Texas now. There's two gyms. First gym is now. Hello, you're on the program with Alan. Well, thank you. Yes. Uh, I was just going to say that uh, uh, from what I know about conspiracies and the one-world government uh, globalist vision, they want ten regions in the world. The United States, Canada, and Mexico apparently will become one of the ten regions because they're not stopping all of this uh, 25 million illegals. They, they say there's 12. I say there's more like 25. Yeah. If you stop at 7-Elevens yeah. at noon, they're, mm -hmm. they're crawling with them, every one of them. Anyway, um, I just... I, I, uh, an ex-Jesuit priest named Malachi Martin, mm -hmm. he wrote some books. Uh, he knew John Paul II personally, okay? Mm -hmm. He wrote some books, though, of course, he had to say that they were uh, fiction. The only way he could get them published through the Catholic Church, uh, for them to condone it. And, and But uh, on the air, when he was doing interviews, when he was still alive, he claimed that they weren't. there were parts of them that were not fiction, mm -hmm. and that they were truthful. And one of the things he explained in one of them called The Keys to This Blood, which I read, was uh, how the uh, liberation theology that went from uh, the Catholic Church to, in the 60s and 70s into Central and South America and created all those wars, Nicaragua, Sandinistas, all that mm -hmm. kind of stuff down in there. That is what's coming to America now. And, and that's, what, that's what's behind. There was a meeting in 1989 uh, by, with Gorbachev, Bush, Bush, first President Bush Sr., and uh, Pope John Paul II in 1989, right around the time the Berlin Wall fell. Yes, okay? yes. All right, that was the kickoff for this mass uh, illegal immigration that has influxed of the United States, as far as I'm concerned, the last 15, 20 years, 15 years now. And uh, they, made a, they made a conspiracy pact then to allow this to happen. And as you've seen, there's no, been no president since that time. Now, they didn't do it while Reagan was in there. He did give amnesty to the three million that were probably here, and actually that was probably a pretty correct number at that time during the 80s. He gave amnesty to that three million. 
but they couldn't get anything else past him. They waited for George Bush Sr. to come along, and they did get him because he was a member of the Klan, okay? So, uh, so, and every one of the presidents since has bought into it because none of them has stopped it. As a matter of fact, they've all looked the other way and said, come on to uh, whoever runs Mexico down there over the last 15 years. And uh, I'm just saying that that's part of the, the apparent conspiracies that we see, not so much what's behind the scenes and going on with all these the things. Ten, well, you alluded to the ten regions. Yeah. Alan, did you have a comment about that number 10 because of the numerology? Yeah, yeah. As, uh, you find 10 everywhere. See, 10 is the binary code. Mm-hmm. And the binary code is the digital code for computers, too. And, all, and the chip as well, which is coming. It's a language in itself. Interesting. It's, it's just all the 10 Sephiroth from the, the Kabbalah. All right. If you have another question, Jim, stay on the line. We'll be right back with Alan Watt and Secret Societies Cutting Through the Matrix. I'm Rick Adams. We'll return in three minutes. Get back at us with Rick Adams, the Radio Avenger, on the Republic Broadcasting Network. All right, we're back, and uh, do we still have Jim, the first Jim, on the line? Yeah. You're here. Okay, Jim, what's your response to what Alan Watt has just said? Well, I didn't hear it. He went to break. I didn't hear what he was saying. Well, before the break, he responded to what you had said. All right. Well, well, if you haven't, do you have another question? For well, me? I just have a further, a little further comment. And I'll let you yeah. know, but I'm just thinking that uh, uh, Pope John Paul had, in years past, prior to his death, he's, he always said how the American Catholics were a little too independent-minded for him. Yeah. Well, yeah. I guarantee you, the ones flooding, flooding in here from Mexico are not independent-minded. They'll do anything and everything the Pope tells them to do. And uh, if you get enough of them in here. That's the other part of the conspiracy. They can replace the ones that won't do it, and also take up take up the space of the true Christians that are here when they're uh, trying. Well, okay, let's explore that, Alan. What is your thought on that? Is there a uh, consensus here within the migrating uh, illegal aliens that are Catholic? Um, I think they're being. I think all groups. If you, see, I don't. I think if you put yourself in, in a group, you, you've pretty well had it because you're already been under you're under mind control of some form or some higher leader. And they always give you leaders. Now, Karl Marx talked about the blending of the Americas back in the 1800s and Das Kapital. And he said that a united Europe uh, under a single parliament, to be a united Americas and a Pacific Rim conglomerate. And that was in the 1800s. Then Jacques Attali, who now was a head guy at the United Nations, and was the he was the Kissinger of Europe for France. The trilateralism, yeah. Yeah, he, he brought out a book called Millennium in 1990, mm-hmm. and he went through the format of of the immig- the massive immigration that would come in from the south of the U.S. into the United uh, America ending up with a, a blend of Spanish-speaking people at the bottom of the U.S. And he said there would be whole hordes would, would come in, and that was the agenda, that was the plan, and all those who belong to groups are being used to make it happen. And, and sure are enough... Are themselves as loyal to the Catholic hierarchy, more so than American Catholics? Um, well, let's be honest here. In this power structure, every religion has to be in on it at the top. They're all part of the same system at the top. And you need uh, um, all the top leaders to control the, the vast uh, uh, herds. The, the shepherds control the herds, so the shepherds must all be in on the same game. It's only those who end up fighting each other that don't have a clue of the real purpose. Have you noticed that the uh, American uh, Democrat left 
is is going out of their way, starting just recently on their airwaves, according to the Catholic Church. Yeah. And their people. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's right. Oh, yeah. That should tell us another facet of the picture here. Huh. Every group, as I say, is being manipulated, and willingly so, because once you've swallowed the whole thing for your particular group, yeah. the guy at the top who's so eloquent is going to do all your thinking for you. You know. Hitting one group against another. Always. Uh-huh. That's always yeah. been the strategy. Thank you, Jim, uh-huh. for your uh, thought-provoking uh, scenarios here. Let's see if we could sneak in another Jim in Texas first. Hello, uh, Jim. Yeah, am I on? Yes, you're on now. Uh, hi, Rick. Good yes, job. Hello. I've been listening to you for quite a while. Thank you. Uh, uh, listening to tonight's show, I find it kind of amazing that uh, that uh, the people will, will discuss uh, the minutia about... Uh, uh, the Freemasons or Adam Weishaupt or, or they'll discuss the uh, Illuminati or, or uh, 10,000 different groups which are all controlled by the same people right. and it all amounts to the, all of them including the news media and everything else of course is, is they're all a bunch of Shabbos Goy so you can't take anything they say for, for a fact or anywhere near a fact so I, I just you know it, it's kind of amazing to me that people just keep talking and talking about all this stuff but it all boils down to the same thing. They control both sides of the argument. That's right. Both both the positions on any issue you want to imagine. Sure. Can you imagine Henry Ford knowing he'd be spinning in his grave like, an, uh, like a D.C. motor? Sure. You want that? to hang on for a minute? Sure, I will. Sure. All right, one minute break. Stay where you are, Alan. You sure. can stay, right? Mm-hmm. All, all right. right, Alan Watt, my guest, and Secret Societies cutting through the matrix. We shall return hour number two. Stay with us. Join us right here at the Republic Broadcasting Network. I'm Rick Adams.